Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom and State. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347 324 Hello, this is Leslie Giss, and you're listening to The Gist of Freedom. It is with deep regret that we have to have this special show um, tonight because of a tragic incident uh, which occurred today in the school. Um, I have a very dear friend, a good friend of mine, loyal friend of mine, on, on the air right now, and he's extremely articulate. His name is Roy Paul. He's a young man. Uh, He was the first, the youngest African-American to ever be elected to public office in New York State when he was only 19 years old. He served five years as a school board member in Middletown, New York. His name is Roy Paul. Roy Paul, I thought it would be fitting to have you come on the show tonight and talk about this incident. So I'm going to sit back most of the talking. Thank you. Roy? Hello? Yes. I need you to talk about the incident. Would you describe what happened and why we're on the line tonight? Sure. Uh, And so it's my understanding that in a high school in Spring Valley in South Carolina, there was a student, I believe she's been reported to be 15 years old, who was reportedly not behaving in class. And the teacher wanted her to leave and um, seek um, help from one of the staff members who were assigned to deal with students who weren't behaving. Um, It's been reported that she refused to leave the classroom, and so they had uh, what is called an SRO, a school resource officer, which is um, uh, in in some cases retired or um, uh, former police personnel into the schools to help keep order, uh, into the classroom to um, reprimand the student, for lack of a better word. Um, It is then reported, which is what we see on video, that other students who were disturbed by the nature uh, that the officer was talking to this 15-year-old student uh, began videotaping the altercation on that videotape, which has been widely viewed on YouTube and elsewhere, you can see this officer ask the student twice to get up and leave the classroom. The student refuses. And in the second time, the officer says, if you don't leave, I'm going to make you leave. He then proceeds to grab the student and the desk that she was sitting in, forcibly moving her, the table does a 180 off the ground. 
the student is then pushed onto another desk and is dragged across the classroom floor. The officer then proceeds to tell the girl to put her hands behind her back. It was disturbing not only to see that incident, but to witness testimony from the news outlets after the fact with the bystanders, some students who were in the classroom, who witnessed this behavior and were sort of verbally egging on the police officers to stop and saying, you know, what are you doing, etc. And then the officer looks at the students who were bystanders and saying, if you don't stop, I'm going to arrest you too. And the whole nature of the incident is disturbing because of the harshness of the force that was used on behalf of the student. Now, I have never heard of an incident where an SRO or student officer used this kind of force to uh, maintain order in a classroom. But then again, this is not a usual case where a student resource officer would intervene physically. I've seen cases personally where I've been in a cafeteria and there have been students having a fight and the student resource officer, in many cases more than one, have to rush to the scene and they will physically grab students apart from each other. They will hold them in a corner, sometimes on the ground, because they're moving so ferociously and they can't keep order. What was so stunning about the video is that the student, a female at that, is not moving. If the worst-case scenario is true, she was not listening to the officer. That's evident. But she wasn't moving. And to see this grown man with huge muscles tackle, essentially, a sitting student turning her upside down and then dragging her across the room. If that's not excessive, I don't know what is. And I think the nature of that outburst is what prompted this officer to now be suspended uh, after that violent arrest. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lawsuit on behalf of the student's family for this aggressive nature. Now, it always ceases to amaze me that these types of incidences always come out into the public light because of a video, because they almost seem, in some cases, uh, too heinous to be true, right? If, if we didn't have a video and someone just said there was this violent arrest and the officer flipped the student from the floor and dragged her across the room, no one would really believe that, right? It just seems that, unfortunately, these cases come to light because of um, an advent in technology that allows people to use mechanisms on their phone to record such behavior. It has become a necessary reality, right? Because otherwise, you wouldn't have any of these instances where it would be brought to the public eye and where eventually justice would be served, and hopefully let people in the future think twice about using such violence because it could potentially be videotaped. So that's where the issue stands now, and until 
a resolution either with the officer's disciplinary actions or some potential legal action, which I'm almost certain there will be, you will have attorneys running to this family like you wouldn't believe, offering pro bono to cover the fees to go after the school district. And until that happens, what we're witnessing now is the public outcry and the pundits and the human rights authorities going after it and expressing their deep anger about what happened. Um, and it's a very unfortunate situation. It is a very unfortunate situation. Now, tell us a little bit about your background and how you were elected, and then we'll tie your background to what is happening um, today. And did you experience anything when you were an elected official? Well, I I was elected in 2006. Um, I ran when I was 18 years old, and I did that because I felt that as a young person, um, the vo- my voice needed to be represented in the conversations that were engulfed in that school district. At that time, we had about 7,000 students, 2,000 employees, 1,000 teachers. We had a budget of 100 and something million dollars to 150 million dollars, and we were building schools. We were renovating schools. My last project that I worked on was a 63 million dollar elementary school about two blocks away from my mother's house, and. Too often times, young people's uh, voices are not heard in in the conversation, certainly not in the political process or the educational process. You have a lot of experts who come into the scene and they say, we should do this, we should do that. The system is broken. This is how you fix it. But the system, and we see this uh, all over the, the country, and our public education system has been broken for decades and decades. And throughout those years, you had experts, quote-unquote, say, we know what the problems are and we know how to fix them, but they haven't gotten fixed. And then you see an outburst with charter schools and and other things coming up to try to create choice and options for parents and students. But it's ironic that on my tenure on the board, we had a very voracious public debate about SROs, school resource officers, and we hired several officers throughout the school district. Uh, at the time, and the issues has always been around financing, who was going to pay for these officers. Um, and we ended up having the school district uh, front 50% of the cost, and we ended up getting the city to kick in a percentage of the cost, and then we eventually got some state grants to cover the cost of these officers because there was a growing need then and more so now to to maintain order in a school building where you you can't have um, what are what are called security guards who aren't trained in some cases and in some cases don't have the authority to touch students into buildings and in high schools especially where there's a propensity for violence you need uh, people on the scene who have the ability to know how to hold students without choking them. Uh, Ironically, the thing that happened in this case in South Carolina is the exact what resource officers are supposed to do. They're supposed to maintain order, but they're not supposed to incite violence. Um, and this harsh level of um, attack on the student is, is, is what the SROs are supposed to be trained not to do. They're supposed to be trained to maintain order without being violent. That is that by nature, by definition, that's what they're supposed to do. And this officer clearly did not do that. Uh, and in some cases actually causing physical harm to a student where prior to this incident, the student was fine physically. The student may have caused some disturbance in the classroom. The student may have refused to leave. 
but the student didn't have any abuses. The student didn't have the propensity for a concussion, and we see that happening now. I was in ROs to be present in the school system. I was in high school between 82 and 86, and as you know, I graduated from uh, Lean On Me School, Eastside High School in Patterson, under the principalship of Joe Clark. Um, we didn't have an SRO. We, you know, we had little security guards. When did this become a trend, and what was the excuse um, that they gave you for, you know, pushing these police officers in the classroom? or in the school building? Well, it, it, it always became a need um, when you had violence, um, and, and I think that's when it, the need always arises. Whenever there is a propensity for violence, whenever there is an increase in fights, uh, whenever there is known gang activity in a school, and I'm, and I'm not familiar with Spring Valley High School in South Carolina. When I first heard about it, I thought it was Spring Valley in upstate New York. Um, Me too. And so I... I and so I, I didn't realize it was in South Carolina. In fact, I started calling some of my friends um, and started texting a friend of mine who's a state senator um, in Rockland County who covers um, Spring Valley in New York and thinking, yeah, what are you going to do about it? It's a big old case in New York, and it wasn't even in New York. So I felt like a fool for not being as informed as I should have been. Um, but those kinds of things happen all the time. But whenever there is the talk of violence, whenever the statistics show that there is a greater propensity for gang activity and, and fights in a particular school, which can be an elementary school, a middle school, or a high school. You will always see the need for these type of school resource officers as sort of an alternative uh, because what ended up happening in many cases is that you had schools that did not have SRO officers and you had plain clothes um, security guards who were not trained uh, like SROs are trained in schools, and they were getting hurt because they weren't allowed to touch students in some cases. And you find them getting elbowed in the face, right? They get kicked to the ground, and they didn't have the resources. And a lot of school districts were getting sued by the security guard officers because they weren't appropriately trained and adept at handling some of the more aggressive cases of violence in schools. And so school districts stepped back and said, look, we don't want to get sued. We need to up our game. We need to hire more um, stringent officers who have the skills and the resources to handle some of the more aggressive activity that may happen in the building. Okay. Now, was this part of um, the SRO? Was it a part of um, Clinton, President Clinton's administration? No, that was when a local issue. The SROs were, were strictly a local issue. Um, now, grant funding... Um, might have been provided under a presidential administration, but mm -hmm. the 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 initial act of hiring school resource officers were a, it, it was first a state issue and then a local issue because it was funneled down. It was an unfunded mandate in some cases where the state would tell the school districts if you have X, Y, and Z criteria, you needed to have an SRO, but they didn't provide any funding for it. So it became a local issue within the school districts and the municipalities that they existed in to find the funding. Um, and the cost of the SROs are around $50,000 or, or, or so on, on average a year. Uh, and so it, it's a hefty cost for a lot of school districts to, to pick up. Now, a lot of people didn't want to do it because the moment you say we have an SRO, a lot of people think psychologically, you have to trouble the building. And, you know, if there was no violence, why would you need them? It's all like going into a club 
and the security guard before you walks in says, you know, I've got to shake you down before you go in. You immediately think, well, I don't want to go into this club if they're going to shake me down because there has to be some level of propensity for violence that they have to shake men down when they walk in. And that typically is the case. You know, there is no club that you go to that won't shake you down for no reason. They shake you down because it's a propensity for violence that happens there on occasion. And the same thing with SROs. So a lot of people said, and parents in particular, were advocating against the SROs because they said, we don't want our kids to go to a school that has the propensity for violence when you have to have SROs in the building. Um, until a fight happens and their kid was in a close proximity, and then they go, oh, yes, we need SROs. Please get the SROs in here now. Because, unfortunately, times have changed. Um, when my mother was going to high school, it's a very different time now. Uh, when I went, and then for our kids now, and as the violence increased, the mechanisms to deal with those violences increase. Say that again. Okay, now I can hear you. Go ahead. No, I was finishing up my statement. Uh, phone, so I may be the only one not hearing you, so I apologize. No, that's fine. Okay, continue, please. Was there another question there that I missed? Oh, okay. So you were wrapping up your point as far as how times have changed and why SROs are um, needed and necessary in this age. Do you know of any stats that show that since the SROs have been in schools that the violence has decreased? Well, I, I will tell you um, that studies have shown that much like community policing, where you have police officers who are hired to patrol a certain area uh, and develop the trust of the residents, and whenever something arose, they would use that trust to help evade crime. Um, SROs have that same effect. Um, and when done correctly, and of course all of these things are predicated on the practices being implemented correctly, uh, SROs and gender trust in the student population and the teaching population. And whenever things happen, they are the ones who step in and go, hey, Johnny, do you know you know, what's going on with so-and-so? I hear there might be a fight happening on Friday. Uh, and they're trying to alleviate situations that go on in the community. The SROs are the ones who step in uh, and alleviate those situations, in some cases dealing with them before they um, end up in full force, um, and and that's the whole purpose behind them. Um, but but what happens when an SRO steps out of line? You know who is policing the police? In other words, and when you get to a place where the authority figures become vilified, and that's what's going to happen in that school. You're going to have a huge divide, from what I understand, in that high school in Columbia, South Carolina. There's a high level of uh, minorities in that school district, and here you are having a white SRO. This is going to be a lot of racial dividing and tension that's going to happen in that community and in that school district. And unfortunately, whenever you have these cases, it always brings up the issue of race. If that was a black SRO officer, I don't know if you have the same level of hatred 
against the police. You will still have the level of outrage over force, but you wouldn't have media pundits. The first thing I noticed when I saw some clips on CNN, it was black student, white SRO officer. That's how they that's how they labeled them. She's 15 years old. She has a name. I don't know how old he is, but he has a name. But it was black student, white officer. And that is how all of these conversations get put into context by race. Um, and what I heard, and I don't know if it's true on CNN, it was being reported that this officer has had previous complaints on a racial tone by him and minority students. Uh, and mm. that is unfortunate. Um, and uh, that was corroborated by a couple of other media reports that I saw that this is uh, the officer has prior complaints um, against him for for other issues from minority students. Um, and we have to continue to be vigilant about these kinds of issues that unfortunately um, do border on race uh, because we, we know that racism still exists and we know that it still pervades our justice system. Uh, but when you have cases where you have an officer, um, and now everything is going to be ripped into you know the light. How aggressive was that investigation from prior students against that officer? Um, and so this is going to really open up a can of worms, um, and, and hopefully it all comes out uh, on the side of justice. Is it true that he was already disciplined and they stated that he will no longer be allowed to work in any school? Have you heard well, anything about I, that? It's my understanding that he's been uh, suspended. So at this moment, he cannot work um, and cannot work in a school. Uh, now, I'm sure what will happen is that uh, an investigation will now take part um, and they will interview many of the students who have come forward who are in the classroom, the teacher himself. And you can visibly see the teacher um, standing there as this is going on. I don't hear him saying anything, but you can clearly you know, see the teacher there standing there watching this happen and, and did not certainly did not intervene physically. You Are you talking about the... Uh, uh, he was standing with his back to the camera. Mm-hmm. I think he was an administrator. He had a, a radio um, in his pants, you know, in his belt. So I think he was not the teacher, but he might have been part of the security team. Okay. Uh, it still doesn't matter. But what do you think <clears throat> of, you know, this black man? And if something similar happened with the young lady the teenager who was um, thrown down and abused by a police officer when she was at a pool party. And there was another gentleman similar to this teacher or school administrator who just stood there and really didn't, you know, aid this young person who was being assaulted. What do you think about the mentality of the 60s? If this had happened in the 60s instead of today, what this young girl have gone unprotected? Well, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that there would have been a, 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 an environment where you would not have SROs or the need for them. But I think what happens here 
is that when authority figures stand up next to other authority figures, the question always comes up, what authority does one authority figure have to intervene when another authority figure is handling the situation? And there are legal issues surrounding teachers or non security personnel getting involved in those types of altercations. And I think that's probably what was going through the minds of some of the other people there. Mm-hmm. And they're valid issues because that was part of the reasoning behind regular security guards wanting protections when they saw these incidents happen, fights, et cetera, they didn't want to get involved, so they wanted more protection. And so I don't think many teachers, unless they didn't have any fear for their own security, would knowingly get involved in type, in these types of altercations. Um, but, you know, that is something that I'm sure Michael Cord, wonderful attorney from Philadelphia, uh, has a lot of opinions on because this is right up his alley. Uh, in terms of the legal ramifications that someone could face if they were involved in this type of incident. Um, and I see now uh, I see now Reverend Jesse Jackson Sr. has just released a statement saying that the police officer should be fired and the police department should be sued. Did you hear about this young lady? Say that one more time. You were breaking up. Uh, one of her classmates came to her rescue, and as a result of her trying to step in and intervene, she too was arrested. Did you know anything about her? I did. In fact, she was on MSNBC. Uh, And she was talking about the case. Um, And it's one of those situations where um, you raise your children to be vigilant and to speak up when they see something wrong. And in this particular case, they did that. This one brave young woman stood up and said something as it was happening. You can hear her on the tape. And she is trying to bring some common sense to this SRO officer who is uh, going off on her, a classmate. And, and instead of taking that as an opportunity to tone down, this officer took it as an opportunity to turn up and went after the student and said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to come after you. Uh, such level of hatred... Um, that was being displayed on behalf of the security officer in a school. He wasn't on a street corner. This was not a gang transaction. He was not trying to break up a drug bust. He was trying to maintain order in a classroom. That was it. That's it. Now, with uh, it seems as though that you think that the SROs are something that some schools uh, should have. Am I correct? 
I think it's needed in some cases, yeah. Mm-hmm. And all that has happened with the police shooting unarmed African Americans, unarmed black women in jail, and uh, being we are being told that she committed suicide, as in Sandra Bland. Um, do you think this is the climate to have police officers in the midst of a white police officer working predominantly black school? Well, um, I think I hear two questions there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there are two questions there. I think the need certainly does exist, especially in some school districts where you have a high propensity for violence. You do need security guards in there. Um, uh, now, whether there should be some type of racial balance, um, yes or no, I, I think is the answer. I, I think that is um, a local issue, um, the, the question of whether or not you should have um, racial balance, I think, should be decided uh, decided by that local municipality, um, and it all really, I think, depends on what the community wants, what that local school board wants, what the parents want. It should be a conversation, um, and if it's a matter of legality, there are ways, I think, to to address those legal issues of, about diversity in, uh, in those types of situations. Uh, and there's certainly a way that HR can, you know, manage the expectations of the community. Um, so I, I, it can be done. The answer is, is always yes and no. Now the the no aspect is, um, should it be a matter of uh, race that determines who's hired? Well, in some cases, yes. In some cases, no. There are some communities that feel, even if there's a high propensity of minority students, no, we don't want to have race be a factor. We just want safety. And that's a legitimate argument. There are other people who say, um, you know, we do want to have uh, race be a factor. I know when I was on the Board of Education, I pushed for an affirmative action officer that was going to help increase the diversity of this community. And locally, they didn't want it. I was uh, the board that hired the officer. It was a five to four vote. It was split down the middle on the non-member board, and I got a lot of pushback. And eventually, the superintendent did not hire that person. Uh, by the time that he didn't hire him, we lost a majority, and we didn't have any authority on the board to hold him to task for doing that. So, uh, the, you know, the, there are local ways of getting around that. I don't think it should be a state or national issue. Um, and for conversation's sake, it sounds wonderful, but I think those types of issues um, are, are things that should be dealt with locally. Okay. Um, I think our time is up. It's 8.31. Is there anything else you would like to talk about um, before we close out? And uh, let us know about your upcoming events, what are you doing, how can we support you, your contact information before we close out? Sure. Um, I always need support. I I love um, all the support I can get. My information, um, roy-paul.com. There are 155 ways to get me there. Um, Probably too many different ways because most of them are direct. (laughs) Uh, But I love hearing from people. 
I love talking to people. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, in fact, the general public has more ways of reaching me than my mo- my mother, because my mother uh, is not very technologically savvy. She calls and texts and sometimes emails and to a lesser degree Facebooks. Um, and so people who are much more tech-savvy have a greater way of reaching me than my own mother. Um, so I would say roy-paul.com, um, looking to do more commentary, especially um, around the presidential election as that gears up with the youth vote and other issues. And, and hopefully I can remain part of the conversation. Any closing words as it relates to this incident? Yes. Uh, much like the student who spoke up in Spring Valley when she saw something was going wrong, I think it's absolutely critical and necessary that despite the circumstances that when we see something, we really do say something. It's like that adage that you see in the New York City subway system. When you are faced with injustice, especially head-on in your face as it's happening, speak up and scream and let the person who is violating the justice and the rights of someone else know that it's not okay and it's not something that should be tolerated, no matter what the backlash may be. You are always going to be protected by your conscience that you spoke up and said something. And so I want to give a kudos, especially a kudos and shout-out to that one student who said something about it uh, because it's absolutely critical and necessary to continue to put these people on blast when they violate our rights. And to the person who videotaped it, I believe it might have been that same student, again, whenever you see something like that, take your phone out and start videotape and press record because these instances can only be eradicated when we've got proof that they happened. Well, I want to thank you, Roy, for all that you do, and uh, thank you for being there for me whenever I need you. And um, I want you to have a good night, and we'll be... Facebook, Twitter, You got it. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye.